Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. Metallic Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. Thanks very much for uh, tuning in this week. If this is uh, the first time that you've uh, checked out the Pipeline Show, then welcome aboard. And if you're a returning listener, obviously, big thanks to you. I hope you're leaving a comment or a rating or both, wherever you're getting your uh, copy of the Pipeline Show from. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, then extra special thanks for you. Your two bucks a month uh, of support means the world to me. And it gets you early access to all the interviews that you hear each week here on the uh, full episode of the Pipeline Show. You get those often up to three, four days before the uh, full episode comes out. So I really appreciate your support. Let's get to uh, the question of the week, which I put up on Twitter just a few minutes ago. The question this week has to do with uh, Wisconsin Badgers, a sophomore Montreal Canadiens prospect, uh, Cole Caulfield. Uh, Simple question. How would you describe his season so far? And I've asked uh, people on Twitter uh, to reply with a uh, a GIF, just to make it a little bit more fun. But uh, here's the game-by-game breakdown for Cole Caulfield. He's got eight points in eight games this year. That's great. Uh, However, he's only scored in uh, two of those six games. However, one of them was a hat trick. So there seems to be a real, uh, on one hand, this is good. And on the other hand, well, maybe this is a bit of a concern. At this point last year, he had eight points in seven games. Pardon me, he had eight goals in seven games last year. This year he's got four. Uh, But again, one of those games was a hat trick. He scored in one other six games so far this year. He has not registered a goal. He's got four assists. Overall, he had a uh, six-game point streak to start the season off. So again, real mixed bag. But I want to hear from you, the fan. A lot of you have seen more Cole Caulfield than I have, although I have watched a bunch of the uh, Badgers games already this year. He's creative. He's dangerous around the net. I I don't know if he's just snake bit aside from uh, the two games against Penn State, which happen to be the weakest team right now in uh, in the Big Ten. So does that factor in at all to your decision? You can let me know on Twitter. At TPS underscore Guy is where you get me, and you can tell me how you feel. Matthew has replied with uh, a, a gif of Meryl Streep uh, clapping and yelling and saying overrated. So obviously he's not a big fan of Cole Caulfield, or perhaps he's a Leafs fan or something like that. 
But tell me what you think. I saw somebody else tweeting a couple days ago that they expect uh, that he they think Caulfield will lead the United States in scoring at the World Junior Championship and might lead the event in scoring, which to me was wow. That is that is a bold prediction considering Caulfield was not very good at the World Junior Championship last year, and there are probably three or four guys invited to their camp that I think will outscore him. We'll get to uh, the U.S. camp a little bit later on in the show, and uh, maybe we'll revisit that after that interview in that segment. But that's the question of the week, which you can find again on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy, if you're not following me already. Let's get to the news and notes. A couple of notes out of the WHL. First off, uh, John Shannon reporting that uh, he's hearing the WHL start date of January 8th is going to get pushed back to uh, potentially end of February, or at least to the end of January. Haven't seen anything official on that as I'm speaking to you now, but boy, would you describe the way things have been unfolding lately as uh, minute to minute? I would. So we'll see if uh, that changes for the WHL. Also in the league, the Portland Winterhawks apparently close to new ownership. Jeff Merrick from Sportsnet reporting that on Twitter as well. Uh, We know that uh, Team Canada has had to shut down uh, their training camp. We're about a week into that 14-day suspension. That meant they couldn't play the University of Alberta last weekend. This weekend, they were supposed to play Mount Royal. Uh, obviously, that's been canceled as well. And even if it hadn't have been, I don't think the Cougars would have been playing because they've tested positive 18 cases with the Mount Royals Cougars. Uh, so that is not good. So obviously, uh, they've shut down all their operations as well. They haven't been playing games, much like the U of A, all of U sports. But uh, that's something to watch for. Uh, also today, yesterday, or a couple days ago, the Czech Republic uh, released their camp roster. Lots of players invited to their camp as well. And uh, Sweden put out their list. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Thursday. It came out earlier. I will have a guest on the show next week, Ufe Bodin, who will join me to talk about uh, Sweden's team and the way it looks. Looks pretty darn good is the way it looks. Strong at every position, and that's not anything new. Uh, Sweden, always one of those five countries that... Uh, is reasonably in contention for a gold medal every year. We know that the Q has been shut down. The OHL, the WHL uh, haven't started yet. Uh, The BCHL hasn't started yet. Uh, Manitoba's been shut down. The AJHL has been shut down. The USHL uh, is still trying to play. They're getting in about half of their games, I think. College Hockey, the Big Ten, started and seems to be going all right. The NCHC this week has started their bubble in, or pod rather, in Omaha, uh, and there's been a, a couple of days worth of games and uh, more today and, uh, well, pretty much every day, which is kind of fun. If you're able to uh, uh, watch some of those games online uh, or on TV, some of them have been on TV, uh, entertaining to get a college game every night now. In the NCHC pod so far, Minnesota Duluth looks good. They beat Nebraska, Omaha, and Denver so far, although neither game from what I saw, and I didn't see either game from start to finish, but they were good enough to win. I wouldn't say they were dominant by any stretch. Jackson Cates off to a great start for the Bulldogs. And I also, in the last game uh, against Denver, I was pretty impressed with Wyatt Kaiser, a freshman defenseman. I thought he was really good for the Bulldogs. North Dakota with a 2-0 shutout uh, over Miami to start their season. They are the number one ranked team in uh, the country and uh, looked like it against the Red Hawks. A bunch of college games uh, scheduled to go this weekend. Colorado College will play St. Cloud. Nebraska-Omaha against Western Michigan. That's in the NCHC pod today. Uh, North Dakota will play Denver on Friday. That'll be a a good one to watch. Miami-Nebraska on Saturday. St. Cloud in Denver on Saturday. 
Elsewhere, the in the Big Ten, Wisconsin will get to play Ohio State. We'll see how Cole Caulfield responds today against the Buckeyes. That's Thursday and Friday for those two teams. Michigan will get to play a Penn State. Minnesota takes on Michigan State. A few other teams are scheduled to be in action. Bentley will play uh, Army. Holy Cross welcomes Sacred Heart. Robert Morris takes on Air Force. The LIU Sharks get at it again. They're going against a tough opponent, though, American International. Arizona State will go to South Bend and uh, play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Michigan Tech with a tough opponent as Minnesota State comes to town. Bowling Green at home to Mercyhurst. Connecticut welcomes Boston University as some uh, Hockey East action gets going again. Alabama Huntsville set to square off against Lake Superior. And uh, Providence gets going against uh, Boston College this weekend. That's just some of the games. Go to uh, USCHO or College Hockey News and you can see the schedule there. Uh, I have been giving those sites a workout here as of late. All right, that's the news and notes. Uh, My guests that will be joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Speaking of which, the uh, tap room is still open in Red Deer. But more importantly, if you are in Calgary or Edmonton, St. Albert, Sherwood Park, or Red Deer, you get your order in online at troubledmonk.com. Use the promo code PIPELINE. Just the one word, pipeline, and you can get home delivery, same day home delivery if you order by 1 p.m., and that will come right to your door, no additional cost for that delivery. So keep that in mind when you are uh, restocking your beer fridge, and it's not just beer, they do have uh, delicious craft beer, but they have uh, sodas as well that they make, and uh, some spirits, adequate vodka, the Epitaph gin, uh, lots of choices. Go to troubledmonk.com and check them out. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. The uh, guests that you're going to hear from uh, today, I have three of them lined up for you. We'll start with uh, a look at the 2021 draft as uh, HockeyProspect.com put out their uh, rankings about a week ago. Mark Edwards was uh, hoping to get on the show last week to talk about that, but wasn't able to fit it into his schedule, so we have him lined up for this week. Lots of information just on what scouting is like right now, and then we get into uh, some of the uh, key players, notables, from their list, three first-round guys, plus a, a quick discussion on the top five, and also a goaltender of note at the end of that conversation. We'll have that chat with Mark, and from there, we'll go to uh, Chris Peters from ESPN, uh, talk about uh, Team USA and how that's shaping up as their camp was released. I mentioned that uh, earlier in this segment. And Chris is my guest to uh, give us the inside scoop on what Team USA is going to look like. And we will end things with a really informative conversation with a general manager from the Ontario Hockey League. That would be Mike Oak of the Peterborough Peets. Get his perspective on what it's like right now and and how confident he is in the start of the OHL season in uh, early February. Things like the U.S. teams getting their players from the U.S. or the import players. Uh, What about billeting? How about that whole uh, no contact in the OHL this year? All of those questions uh, given to Mike and he doesn't duck any of them. Uh, I enjoyed that chat a lot. I think you will as well. So let's get right to it. Uh, We'll start the show off with Mark Edwards, some notables for the 2021 draft. Let's do that next here on the Pipeline Show. And Raymond stays with a Lafreniere, pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works in, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, this one's great on ice. Why is that, bud? Troubled Monk Troubled Tea. This surprising beverage is low in sugar, zero carbonation, and has an unmistakable real tea taste. Alberta's first and only hard iced tea. Player comparable, Jack Eichel, silky smooth and super skilled, but a little softer and enjoyed by all. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. This is The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we'll begin this week's episode uh, looking ahead to the 2021 draft. And uh, the rankings for HockeyProspect.com have come out. They uh, came out last week, uh, and I uh, tried to get my next guest on last week, but he's just so darn busy. Mark Edwards from uh, HockeyProspect.com. Welcome back to the show, Mark. (laughs) Well, I mean, not exactly... uh tearing up the highways, but still staying busy. So uh, definitely an interesting season. Uh, for me, it kind of feels like we're in early October still as far as, you know, where we are with the the ranking out and, and the evaluations. Um, OHL and WHL-wise, it still feels like July uh, for mm-hmm. those leagues, um, obviously. But overall, um, I like the draft. Um, it's probably not all that super fantastic up in the top 10 compared to some drafts, but um, I do like, you know, the way it dips into the, the our B-rated players, and, and there's quite a few of them. And, and uh, you know, if, if we put out our top 64, I think we did, and um, I like a lot of players that, that dive into the 40s and 50s even. So um, that's a real positive, um, but probably just not as fantastic at the top um, as far as, you know, Maybe some the amount of franchise changing players I'll call it. Um, still talking to Scott scouts a lot yesterday for whatever reason uh, was just crazy. I, just, I think some scout called me at two thirty and it just felt like other than a break for dinner they're calling me uh, through like another one called me up to nine p.m. Um, guys are bored. Um, yeah. One was just starting a quarantine. Um, for for me I've been going to drive so like the the last two calls last night I was out for my post post uh, dinner drive i just i just feel like i got to get out of the house a little bit so i just been going for for drives and and um that's a lot of the times i'm taking calls uh, when i'm out doing that but um yeah scouts are trying hard to get to the games um one called me on sunday and told me there was over 50 scouts at that uh, chicago u.s program game last saturday mm. um there's limited games to go to so that will equal a lot of scouts being at the same game um, not helping, you know, the Big Ten games have been a struggle for scouts to attend. Michigan has those top guys, um, but they were limiting scouts uh, in those Arizona State games. And now it's been cut down to none with the state uh, kind of going going to more of a lockdown. Uh, Wisconsin also limited guys to low numbers uh, when Michigan was in town. Uh, and now Michigan's headed to Penn State. One scout jokingly asked me if I could get a media credential, which was, you know, kind of funny. Uh, so it's 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 a weird year. Um, I've only been to the rink a couple times. It's starting to get annoying. Um, I'm not alone. Video is, you know, a really good tool. I loved that against that last season because it's fantastic. But video to me is still, you know, in general is, is a bit limiting. So it's frustrating. Um, I love having it as an extra tool, I guess is the way I'd say it, but hate it, you know, when it's kind of the only tool. Right. Um, 
most guys I talk to, uh, they like video even less than me. So that gives an idea where they're probably at. Um, and I had a lot of guys mentioning the deal jerseys, the USA's got those new blue jerseys. Uh, so guys watching video, not big fans of the jerseys. They actually, I like, I really like the jersey, but I don't like watching them on tape. That's for sure. Right. And what else we got? World Junior, obviously off to a bit of a rough start. Uh, obviously you're a lot closer geographically than me to that whole setup, but, um, you know, on a day when Canada, I think was about to make some cuts. They go into quarantine. So now you got players riding out of quarantine and I'm guessing they'll be cut shortly after, which kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, scouts, you know, no scouts are going to be even attending these games. Um, so they'll be relying on and stuck with video again for that. And, uh, you know, I know some scouts are just hoping the tournament actually takes place with the rough start it's cut off to. Again, weird year. So, um, that's it. We're just trying to go through the season as close as we can, um, to like we would any, uh, uh, you know, other year. Our first list was released, um, as you mentioned off the top, it was, I think, mid November and, uh, it gave us a base to work from. Um, I don't know when we'll release our next one. Ideally, I'd like to wait until we get some, some dub in OHL games. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see how that goes because is it going to be February or, it's going to be April, you know, who knows? I'm not um, extremely confident about the OHL beginning February 4th. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, once we get into the new year and, and start getting to the point where the players are supposed to uh, report to some camps. Um, that'll be interesting. Um, got an email today from uh, Dusty, our Wisconsin based guy who you've obviously had on the show a few times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I'll just read you a little bit here because I think it kind of sums things up. Uh, so, so Dusty emailed me. He just updated his, his own area list. So he put in it. I'm around today and this evening. You want to discuss anything? Tomorrow's no good. Friday will be. I'll be heading to Dubuque, so I'm free then as well. Uh, Minnesota high school start has been pushed back until after Christmas. What would be different then? Nobody knows. But then again, nobody knows anything. It's one thing I've learned from this COVID crap. Uh, the good news is a lot of the top Minnesota high school kids are now joining the North American Hockey League teams, so we can at least get video on them right now. That about sums up kind of like a weekly, you know, update item on the COVID world and how we just constantly adjust and yeah. just have to kind of take it, you know, as it comes, Keith. It's just a strange, strange situation. But, uh, you know, one, the, like I said, the one, the one thing I have liked is is that we are getting a few players jumping over to Sweden or, or wherever and, and getting looks on some guys in Alberta Junior League. Obviously, there's a few playing in there. So at least we're getting to watch something. I was really happy the Q managed to the start. And the Atlantic, you know, Atlantic Canada was in really good shape for there for yeah. a while with, yeah. with no COVID and had fans in the stands and and really was was rolling along. And then and then Quebec got hit. And uh, But you know what? Quebec doing the bubble was good. I think they'll try and do a bit more of that if, if they're forced into it. And uh, I'd mentioned to, you know, some OHL people, like, just, just get us eight to ten games, if nothing else, this year. And uh, we can we can uh, get to some live, hopefully, although I'm not counting on that, and then uh, at least eventually get to them on tape. And whenever the draft happens, go at it. All right, Mark, you mentioned that the top end of the draft might not be as spectacular as uh, a lot of years are. And I, I've heard people describe it as that there isn't one clear-cut number one guy yet. So your top five at HockeyProspect.com, Owen Power from Michigan, Kent Johnson from Michigan, Luke Hughes, 
uh, from the U18 squad, uh, Simon Edvinson and Oscar Olison, both from Sweden, uh, with a couple of dub guys right after that, Carson Lambos and Dylan Gunther. Do you see that as a, a, a pretty interchangeable group, or do you have, a, in your own mind, uh, who the number one, maybe two, three guy are? Um, I think it's early, but I, I, I did feel pretty good about what we did at the top there. Um, we had Johnson in our black book in, when we released it in June. We had Johnson one power two. Honestly, it was pretty tight pen and just went the Johnson route. Um, and then we watched a bit more, uh, obviously leading up to the release in this and got um, with these particular players, obviously got to even see them just really quickly before our release. Got to see them play this year. And, uh, I like the way power kind of, um, jumped in and, and helped drive a little bit of the play. Um, the physical tools are, are pretty obvious. Um, but those two at the top, um, it was kind of going to be one or the other and, uh, flipped it to power. Um, you know, obviously he has a size, uh, that thing handled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think he's grown into his big frame yet. Um, when you see that size combined with the skating, it, it obviously grabs scouts attention. Um, but yeah, I like the way he made a little bit of an impact jumping into the offense and he showed some offense last year. Um, showed some poise, not really a physical guy. Um, for his size especially but um obviously there's there's just you know the high-end ceiling with those those tools and uh i'd like to see him dictate play a little bit more um the way he he has shown in some games but just not as consistent maybe as uh, we like to see because uh, when he does he's just at another level and then johnson um really like him uh smart very skilled uh, watching all his points from last season is an impressive stretch of video to watch. Um, I, I've seen um, all his Michigan games up until the past week against Notre Dame, and I want to watch those because that's a good opponent, but I haven't watched them yet. Um, skating is probably the weakness, but it's not awful. It's just, you know, if we've got to pick the weakness, that's that's it. Right. Um, and either we just typically – you don't really want to rank a player number two overall where the skating's – maybe at his level if he can help it but that kind of tells you how much we like the other parts of his game but again it's still early um we'll see how this whole top 10 plays out uh luke hughes uh, as you mentioned he's third yes another hughes um first time i saw this kid was in august of his ohl draft season he actually wasn't very good that day um, it was a pre-season tournament uh, for his ohl draft year um he's improved a lot, uh, well, he improved a lot that, that OHL draft season and he's improved, uh, continue to improve since. <clears throat> Watched him a few times before we released our ranking, obviously, and, uh, once since, um, was really good in the games, uh, prior to a ranking release. Uh, not nearly as good, um, in my most recent viewing, which was that, uh, Chicago game last weekend. Um, he actually scored in the game, actually, in the, but, uh, just overall, I think he's had uh, better games. Some really poor decisions in that one. But again, it's just one game. Um, much bigger than his brothers. Um, he's 6'1-ish. I think he's every bit of 6'1", to be honest. Um, um, defenseman, but he's, he's not Quinn. Uh, you know, and who is, really. So that, that would be uh, an, a terrible expectation to have. Uh, but he is an offensive defenseman. Um, he does a pretty good job. Uh, skating the puck and and uh, jumping into the offense. Um, it's just the occasional decision, but um, probably not a surprise to tell you he's a really good skater based on who his brothers are. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, the, here's an example I guess I could give. Like, so if I was to compare him to Jake Sanderson from last season, it wouldn't be, as, as I talk to you today, it wouldn't be a difficult decision for me to choose between the two at this point. I would go Jake Sanderson uh, pretty easily. Um, so we'll see again. Like, it, it's early, you know. Again, if we were talking about players uh, last right. year, and I mentioned this is kind of like an October feeling. Even right. though we released mid-November, it's kind of more of an October feel to the list. Um, you know, so that's still really early in the process. Um, right. Then we wrapped up our top five with a couple Swedes, uh, Simon Edmondson, a big D-man, and uh, Alausen. Uh, so Edmondson's he's six four. Uh, he's he's got some really good tools. Uh, there's a there's projection for him um, if he keeps improving to be uh, worth every bit of the ranking we've given him. Um, like to see him play it. Sometimes it just looks like he's uh, how could I describe it? Just more of a heartbeat on some shifts. And I don't want to make it sound too negative because there's there's plenty of shifts where he's digging in and, and looks great. But just find the odd shift to just like to kind of pick it up a little bit, a little more drive. Uh, and then Alausen is a really highly skilled winger, uh, probably up with the most skilled players in this draft class. Um, at least at this point, I'd say that. Uh, good athlete, good skating, powerful stride, uh, great shot. Maybe not at the top of the class, but he's up with the big boy shot-wise, I'd say. Um, uh, i like to see him just kind of play a little bit harder down low. Um, you know, he's got some size to him, and i just like to see him use it uh, a little more effectively. So that's a quick summary of the top five. All right, and I know you go a lot more in depth uh, with uh, on your for your platinum subscribers, right? Uh, with part of the package that you offer at HockeyProspect.com. dot um, Okay, let's get to chatting about three other guys that we wanted to focus in on, and and the first one, another Mich- Michigan Wolverine. Uh, this one, if he had a if he was from Quebec, he'd be uh, Matthew Benier, but I believe he's going with uh, Beniers, is he not? Yeah, I, I've been calling him Matt Beniers, and uh, Beniers. Sorry, I've heard it. Yeah, I think that's the way I've heard it being called everywhere, but um, I haven't uh, I've been known to make the odd mistake. But, yeah, I've heard Matt Veneers. Off to a great start this year with the Wolverines. Yeah, this is a really good all-around player. I, I really liked him last, a lot last year, uh, and that has not changed this season. Uh, really smart player. I think he's got good vision, uh, playmaking ability. No big weakness in his game. Um, he centered the fourth line uh, with Kent Johnson, um, we mentioned earlier on his wing. Uh, for me, it's been the best line in several games uh, this season. Um, you know, I say fourth line, but they get more ice time than a typical fourth line. Um, and then for Berniers himself, he's already earned a lot of extra minutes because he's playing top PK minutes. And then uh, both he and Johnson do get some power play as well. Um, but he, he's a player that, that any coach wants on his team because he just has um, – the smarts to go along with the skill, um, and he's just a, so reliable. Um, so talking about the skill, it's probably not as high-end as Johnson, um, but he's more complete right now as a player. Um, I guess I, I can say it this way when I when I think about Beniers. Uh, when I coach in juniors, Beniers is exactly the type of player uh, that I want on our team. And he's smart, reliable type of player you need to have success. I think especially in the playoffs, uh, he's even more valuable. Uh, I just think you win with guys like him, and I think he gets the most out of his talent. So um, top 10 um, on our first list, and uh, really no huge weakness to this kid's game. 
All right, let's go to uh, Logan Mayu, who's a uh, defenseman with the London Knights uh, officially, although he only played four games with them last year. And currently, well, he went over to Sweden. Is he still over there or is he back now? Yeah, he's still over there. His team has uh, 10 cases of COVID. Um, I talked to his his agent the other day and he said that the team, and, and again, <laughs> you say the other day, and that can sometimes be like as if three months had passed the way news can change. But yeah. Um, as of a few days ago, it was Saturday afternoon, I believe it was. Uh, so I guess we're, we're actually more than a few days, but, uh, at that point, I think the team was hoping to play three games in a row on about the 17th, 18th, 19th December after a little layoff and try and finish up uh, that part of their schedule, uh, prior to Christmas. So I don't know where it's at since Saturday, but as of Saturday, that was, uh, what I was told. Uh, what kind of a player is he from what you saw from him last year at uh, not in the OHL, well, the four games, but uh, most of it with the uh, London Nationals? Yeah, so this this one's an interesting one because um, I think, you know, I don't do a ton of our OHL draft scouting anymore, uh, but this was a player that I actually saw in his OHL draft year, and uh, I even kind of called rank and moved him up um, or listened to our first round. Uh, I loved his size and his skill combo uh, back then. Um, he ended up going to the Knights in the second round. Um, and then since then, uh, he ripped apart Junior B last season with the London Nationals. So he was actually in London, but in Junior B. Um, I think it was high 60s in points. And he had about 18 goals um, yeah. as a D-man. Um, he's a right shot D, 6'3", uh, about 210. Um, told me he practiced about five times a week with the Knights last year. And then, as you mentioned, he got into a few games over Christmas when they were down bodies uh, during World Junior time. Barely played. He played one game. He played about 10 minutes. The other one's, uh, you know, down a couple minutes a game. So not much, really. Um, we, we've got an interview on our website that uh, our reporter, Rachel Hallow, did with him. It's a little, you know, it was done in the summer, so a few months ago. But... Um, I spoke to him that day as well. Uh, he knows his game. Big, strong kid. Uh, skates well. Improved his skating a lot since his OHL draft season when I watched him way back then. Uh, he's also lost weight. He was pretty heavy uh, that year. Um, he actually lost weight towards the end of that draft season. He's he's kept down and in shape. Uh, he's probably about 6'3", 210 now. Plays really hard, Guy. Uh, he's tough. Uh, mean streak. Loves to hit. Uh, chases some hits. I actually spoke to him about that. Um, shot is very good. Uh, hard shot. Um, so the weakness would probably be that he's raw in his own zone. Uh, his current team in Sweden is not very good uh, at all. Um, but probably not making it much easier on him as some of his teammates are just a little bit lost at times as far as their assignments. I've watched four of his games so far uh, with that team in Sweden. Uh, he's playing a ton. Um, and for the most part, he's been, he's been very good. So, I mean, you're talking big, tough, mean, can skate, has skill. So there's a lot to like. Um, I think when, if he gets to London, uh, I'm pretty confident, um, he'll improve his D zone with, uh, you know, Dale and the coaching staff there. Uh, Dylan Hunter actually looks after the D. He's got a good job. Um, so I don't think he'll be a lost cause in that area mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh, it's just kind of his weakness now. Um, Dale plays man to man in London too. Um, but he's, you know, he's got a head start because he did practice with London last year and obviously got in some games. Uh, he's not playing man to man now on his current team. So he'll just need to quickly adjust again. But, uh, yeah, already a goal, some assists in Sweden. 
Um, you know, so if the OHL and Dub can't go, uh, it'd be nice if a bunch of them come into this league and just make this this third league, uh, third pro league in Sweden a little stronger and, and see more guys in that league he's playing in. The way you describe him, it reminds me of uh, Jacob Truba in his draft year. That those are similar descriptions, about the same size, physical as hell, and has that offensive flair and defensively capable. Maybe not, you know, a stalwart in his own end. Do you see a similar kind of trajectory for a guy like uh, Logan Mayu to uh, a Jacob Truba type player? Yeah, there's some there's some similarities for sure. I mean, obviously, when you have the the, the size skating and then um, some of, some of the offensive talent. Um, I kind of like the way that's the whole combo of it all, and especially like, like he's 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 mean, you know. You can see it on that. Like he enjoys he enjoys hitting and, and playing that tough physical brand. So, yeah. um, listen, that's becoming a lot. Uh, if you, you know, you're not finding that quite as much here. Yeah. Um, so, and and you know, I'm going to talk about Tyler Boucher a bit too, who who shares in that uh, liking that physical aspect and, and got a little nastiness in his game. So. Um, you know, was, when we see that now as scouts, because it's getting harder to find the players that, that play that way, um, it's just an extra thing. I mean, they can't just be that, but man, when you can skate and have the skill, um, I mean, he put up 65 plus points in, I think, yeah. 48 games in Junior B. I know it's Junior B, but like, man, he, you know, I think, and I think he was MVP of the league. So again, like, you know, he's playing some some much older kids. It's Junior B, but he still played some much older kids. He came right out of his OHL draft season and, and played big minutes and put up those numbers. I mean, there's a lot of players that have gone into there and, and not done that. So uh, he stood out uh, kind of a man amongst boys. Obviously, he had size on his side, even as a young kid. Uh, and now he's playing against men and uh, playing 25 minutes a night over there and, you know, He's playing well. Again, there's there's a rawness to his defensive game. Uh, is he a mess? No. But when I got to mention a weakness, that it, it's for sure that stands out to me is, is where he needs a little work. And he knows it. As I said, I've interviewed this kid. He's well aware of where he needs to work on. Um, I know he's watching, uh, re-watching games and watching himself. And uh, when you when you put in that work, you'll improve. All right. You mentioned the last guy is Tyler Boucher, and uh, or Boucher. I think it's Boucher, isn't it? But and you mentioned the physical side to his game, so uh, give us the the complete picture on him. And and I guess this year's U uh, eighteen uh, squad for the Team USA a little bit stronger than last year's. Uh, overall, there might be more first rounders than uh, just the one that they had last year. Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's um, you know the best team that's ever come along, but I think it's it's probably ahead of last year's team. <laughs> I really love this player. Uh, he's already one of my favorite players in this draft class. Um, you know, much like Hughes and most of his team, he wasn't very good last week against Chicago. Um, but it's, again, it's one game and they had a bit of a layoff. Um, I think that's the only game they've played since their ranking came out to, to give you an idea of yeah. the layoff they've had. So, uh, but this kid plays hard and D men are always trying to be aware of where he is on the ice. Um, he's not Tom Wilson. I hate making these comparisons as you've heard from me tons of times. Uh, but sometimes just little aspects of games will remind me of other players. Um, and he reminds me of when I was watching uh, Tom on the four check uh, back in his draft season. Uh, D-men played pucks faster <laughs> when Tom was on the ice. And I see that with Boucher as well, that they become aware quickly uh, of the way he plays. Um, 
So he had been outstanding uh, in my viewings up until that last game. Um, and again, we'll just kind of throw that one away maybe because of the layoff. Um, if he showed a little bit more skill, I'd probably have him much higher on my list. Um, he's not skillless. I think he's got six goals already. Um, but if he had more of this, this kid could really be up the list. Um, and like I just kind of mentioned with, with a major, you know, it's just harder to, it's harder to find guys like him now. Yeah. So many softer type players across all these leagues. Um, and you think about it, Guy, like these kids now, um, they're so far removed from, from, you know, being in an age where they got to see the hard hitting hockey with fights and kind of that, that type of game. Um, they're just too young now that it's, it's been gone for long enough that they've never seen it. So, um, now listen, I love the new, more skilled game. Um, I think it's better overall. Uh, but I still like when you can find guys and having guys that, you know, can instill fear into the opposing team. Uh, and Boucher lets the other team know when he's on the ice. Uh, he's 6'1", around 200 pounds. Probably plays a little bit bigger even. Um, so I guess to sum him up, plays hard, hits hard, has skill, and some nastiness. And bloodlines to go with it. Brian Boucher's kid, a former NHLer uh, as well. So it is Boucher, not Boucher. Yep. <laughs> so I know that yep, for sure. No. <laughs> uh, okay, I know we, uh, we've we gone for a long time, but I, I can't let you go without asking about goaltenders. I, I know that, well, there's there's one in my backyard here, Sebastian Kosa, who I'm personally really high on, and I'm still a little upset about him not being involved in Canada's World Junior Camp. He's draft eligible this year. It's not every year a goalie goes in the first round, but tell me, I have him. I would have him in my first round. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so we separated our list, but he was our number one goalie. And um, I think when we kind of had him included, he was around 15 or 16. So pretty high up our list. Wow. And uh, so I guess yeah, I'm in the same club as you and, and Brad, who who really we rely on on some of our goalie stuff. Um, loves him. Uh, so Brad's personal list, he had him top 12, I believe, on his personal list. Um, so that gives you an idea that yeah, we really like him, and I think he should have been at uh, Canada's camp. So there's the quick Colesnose ver- Cole's version in our top goalie this year. There is another one uh, high end guy this year by the looks of things. Excellent. Well, uh, gives us more to talk about uh, as the year goes on. Mark, as always, really, really appreciate your time. Great list, and I uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you throughout the season, you and your guys. Cheers, me. Stay safe. Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com with a, uh, a nice rundown of uh, a handful of players for the 2021 NHL draft. I, I got to admit, Jacob Trouba was my favorite player from that draft class. That was the year the uh, Oilers, this is 2012, the Oilers ended up uh, picking first overall and took Nail Yakupov. Now at the time, the Pipeline show was still on the air on TSN 1260 in Edmonton as a twice a week show. Uh, so a lot of the uh, local listeners were obviously interested in the 2012 draft and i had said for a long time and uh dean millard my co-host at the time can verify that so could uh, the sports doctor taylor medic shout out to those guys jacob truber was my guy that year i would have taken him i would have taken him first overall what i had said though was i think the oilers should trade back five six spots add another asset probably another first round pick and take truba he ended up going ninth to winnipeg and you look at the guys taken ahead of him, to me, he's still the best one. You can make an argument for Morgan Riley, and I think that would be fair. You could debate that. Hampus Lindholm, also a good player. Matt Dumba, I, I didn't like as a junior player. I think he's a better NHLer than he was in the WHL. 
But Nail Yakupov went number one. Ryan Murray, number two. A lot of injuries for him, I know. Alex Galchenyuk, Griffin Reinhardt, who the Oilers actually went out of their way and picked up later. Uh, Derek Pouliot with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Truba, way better than all of those guys, in my opinion. So I don't toot my horn all that often, but I was right on that one. I still think he was the best player uh, that uh, the Oilers could have taken. And you can make an argument for other guys in the draft, like Philip Forsberg's obviously of the top 15. He's probably had the most productive uh, start to his NHL career. And, and Galchenyuk, it's not like he's a bad player but has not lived up to the expectations that he had. I think Truba has, and maybe has exceeded them even. I, I'm a sucker for the physical blue liner who's really tough to play against, but he's also going to help you offensively. And Truba's that guy. And the way that uh, Mark has described Logan Milou, and I'm probably butchering that last name, I'm really intrigued by that player. And I have to apologize to Logan, because uh, when I tweeted out the links to that uh, conversation for patrons i had said his name was matt i apologize logan uh, i think i had uh well when i was tweeting it, it was also uh maddie beniers in the same tweet i might have just had a brain fart i'm not sure what it was uh, but i apologize to logan for that really intrigued by uh, that player though i will tell you that right now six foot three 210 215 pounds and uh, last year 68 points in 48 games it's junior b so that's uh, difficult to kind of uh, gauge what that would be like at the major junior level, but he's over in Sweden right now, and he's got five points in eight games uh, for the team that he's playing with over there. So that's a guy that I'll be following this season for sure, and we'll look forward to having on the show. And then I can apologize to him there for getting his name wrong on Twitter. Let's continue on and uh, get a sense of what Team USA is going to look like at the World Junior Championship, asterisk, that the tournament still goes on. And I think it is. Uh, there's so much money involved and, you know, what money money talks, as the expression goes. But it's uh, it's going to be tricky for the teams to get over and to get into the bubble. And I think, as Chris says at one point, it's not about what happens in the bubble. It's getting to the bubble. That is the biggest question mark right now. Let's talk to Chris Peters from ESPN about Team USA Next, here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, this is Jack Rosovic from the U18 national team. Clayton Keller. Hey, this is JC Comfer. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. Hi, I'm Hudson Fashing. Hi, it's Brady Shea. Hey, this is John Gibson from Team USA. This is Jordan Greenway. This is Matias Samuelson. Hey, this is Sonny Milano from the US NTDP. This is Oliver Wallstrom. Hi, this is Alex Tuck. This is Ryan Lindgren. Hi, I'm Steven Santini, and I play for the U18 national team. How's it going? Kate Fitzgerald with the national team. Hey, it's Austin Matthews. Hi, this is Jacob Truba from the USA Under-18 national team development program, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Continuing on with this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Last week, the uh, United States named their uh, World Junior Camp roster. Uh, well, actually, it was on November 30th, so just a couple of days ago now. 
To talk about that and join me on the show this week is uh, Chris Peters, good friend of the show from ESPN. Welcome back, Chris. Uh, first thing that jumped out at you for the list of players, uh, anything immediately stand out for you? Um, you know, not not necessarily. I think it was pretty it was pretty uh, predictable. I think in terms of who was invited. You know, I think one of the surprises um, was was Cam McDonald, who plays for Nate you, uh, Nate Lehman at uh, at Providence, and you know he was not in their camp early on. Uh, you know, Brett Berard also was kind of on the radar before, but but wasn't involved in their most recent camp. Um, and both of them are going to be part of this camp now, um, which is interesting. You know, I, I think it's always, especially Providence hasn't played yet. Um, but you know, those guys obviously have familiarity with the head coach. So I guess they've been really good in practice or something, but, right. um, you know, I, I think that, uh, th- those are really like, you know, some of the surprise additions, I guess, but it's not necessarily totally surprising because when you're, you know, your current head coach is the head coach of team USA, there's, there's going to be some opportunities, especially in a year like this, where it's just so weird and, and not everybody's played and, you know, you didn't have many opportunities to see guys. Um, you know, those are those are the things. But beyond that, I mean, I think that most of the other things were were pretty well expected. You know, they have returning players. They have, you know, obviously uh, the goaltending trio has been set for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think it was any any doubt that it was going to be Spencer Knight, Dustin Wolf, and Drew Camesso. Um, yeah, I think they're the three best goaltenders in the in the age group, um, and so that helps and. And yeah, they they're going to be good up front. There are a lot of questions on D, uh, but but it's going to be you know another competitive U.S. team. It, and it looked like it was going to be that way even a month ago, but there was some uncertainty exactly who was going to be able to come back, and if some of those guys who had uh, left their colleges and signed pro contracts, if they'd be returned. But with the NHL completely up in the air, Team USA really benefits by getting guys like. Alex Turcotte, Trevor Zegras, who for me was uh, just outstanding last year for the U.S., Arthur Kalia mm-hmm. back, Nick Robertson back. So getting those guys all up front, that really bol- bolsters that forward group a lot. A ton. I mean, and I think you take those guys away from the team and you're you're starting to wonder how you put a team together that they can compete for a gold medal. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they knew that, that that always seemed to be the case that, you know, especially with this 0-1 birth year, which is so deep for the U.S., you know, if if we were in a normal year, there's a good chance they would have been down three, four players. You know, yeah. for for this team, um, just with you know, I think Zegers would have competed first, but I think Turcotte maybe a little less likely. But you know, he probably still would have been the AHL, and those guys aren't always guaranteed to be let go. Um, you know, Cali have same thing. So it's just kind of all of those guys um, being available. I mean, really, the only one that you're missing is Jack Hughes, and I don't think there was really any expectation that he was going to be made available um, after the year that he had, even though the Blackhawks made, you know, Kirby Doc available um, for Team Canada. So, uh, you know, that's that's just kind of – they need those players. Uh, that's It's really important. I think when you can return 10 guys from your previous year's team, um, that's pretty exceptional. It doesn't happen all the time like that. I mean, the U.S. is definitely focused on, on a 19-year-old group, and I think it'll be a very 19-year-old heavy group now just because the 01 birth year is so deep. So uh, the opportunity for some of those guys to reunite, I mean, really, they didn't lose many international games uh, at, at the NTDP until, unfortunately, the last tournament there, uh, where they where they ended up, you know, finishing third at the World Under-18 Championship. But, you know, you see those guys and what they did last year, uh, they're going to be the heart and soul of this team going forward. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Zegers led the team in scoring last year at, at the World Juniors, didn't he? He did, yeah, and I mean, you know, just an elite playmaker, and I was, I was always curious as to, 
you know, they couldn't get Cole Caulfield going on the goals. And, and right. I don't think he ever saw the ice with Zegers except for maybe on the power play a few times. So, you know, you wonder what kind of lineup decisions are going to be made, who's going to be down the middle, um, things like that. But, yeah, I mean, Zegers played on the wing on last year's team very well, could be a center this time around, and obviously a huge part uh, of what they're going to be able to do offensively. Just the unbelievable plays he was making last year, with spinorama behind the back passes, <laughs> stuff like that. I remember it just stood out. And it – it was it was nice because I don't get to toot my own horn very often, but I picked Zegers to be the the breakout player uh, for a USA last year, so I nailed that one. I don't know who it's going to be this year, but <laughs> when you look overall at this team, I mean, we were kind of having a, a Twitter discussion. You said it really kind of uh, begins and ends. How good USA is going to be depends a lot on their net mining. Absolutely. I mean, I think you know they have the the CHL goalie of the year, and they have who the the best freshman goalie in the country in last year in Spencer Knight and. And both of those guys were on the team last year. Both of them played in games last year. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if I were a betting man, Spencer Knight's going to still be the guy. And as good as Dustin Wolf has been and as much as he deserves an opportunity, um, you know, I think Spencer Knight has been, uh, you know, the pride of this class for, for a long time. And as there's a lot of expectations for him. I thought he was fine at the World Juniors last year. Certainly wasn't uh, amazing. Um, you know, but that's, that can happen at that level. But we've seen guys that go in their first year, highly touted guys like John Gibson falter a little bit and then really bounce back in that following year. And Gibson ended up having one of the best tournaments ever by a goalie, um, in the following year. And I, I think Spencer Knight absolutely has that potential in him. Um, and really, you know, that's, that's the X factor. We talk about that for Canada and how it's really the Achilles heel, um, especially this year where it seems like the, you know, they're, they're, thinner than usual even um, with this group. And then you've got Russia and the U.S. having elite all-world netminders, Spencer mm-hmm. Knight and, and Yaroslav Iskarov, who have both been exceptional internationally over their careers. So, um, you know, I think that, that that's going to be really one of the entertaining factors of, of this U.S. team is they have the scoring talent up front. The defense is a little thin, but then you have this elite goaltender back there. And, and if it's Knight or if it's Wolf and, and Nate Lehman has not yet committed to a starter, but uh, again, if I were a betting man, I'm, I'm, I'm betting it's Spencer Knight. Yeah, I would have to think so as well. So you've got really a fantastic goaltending. The forwards, especially with the, the guys coming back, uh, are uh, as good as anybody's now. But you mentioned the defense is a bit thin. You described Cam York, I believe, the only returning player. Uh, and a lot of guys, they're talented players, but might not be household names for casual hockey fans to this point. So what do you, uh, when you see this defensive core, the nine guys who are coming to camp, what do you make of it? Well, you know, I think they're, they're, they're very lefty heavy. They only have two right hand defensemen and, uh, right, right shot defensemen in the camp. Um, you know, I think there's a really good chance. One of them is Drew Hellison who plays Boston College. I think there's a really good chance that he's on the final roster, plays a, a physical brand of hockey, has just enough offense and, and you know, he, he makes a good first pass. I mean, he does all the things that you need, uh, you know, to, to, to have some success. I, I, I think, you know, they're going to lean super heavily on Cam York, as you mentioned, the only returning guy, and they're going to really have to lean on Jake Sanderson. And, and, and that's probably the guy for me that could be the breakout performer for us, even though, you know, he's of course he's the fifth overall pick and, you know, he has the opportunity, you know, he is a household name versus a lot of the other guys on this decor, but I do think that he's going to be leaned on so heavily in all situations that it's going to be especially important because, you know, they don't have outside of York, they don't have that, that bona fide um, dynamic puck moving element. Uh, they do have Henry Theron, who was outstanding at Harvard last season. He's playing junior hockey this year. 
um, at, 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 with the Dubuque Fighting Saints because Harvard's season is canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, early reports is that he's, he's, he hasn't looked amazing so far, but based on what I saw last season in the college game, he was far ahead of what I thought he would be as a, as a true freshman. And he's the kind of guy that, you know, I think that he's a, a virtual lock for this team. I think, you know, Nate, Nate Lehman has said as much in, in, in publicly, um, especially, you know, having a guy that had so much success at the collegiate level last year. Um, but yeah, and then you kind of just go down the list and you have a lot of guys that are much more on the defensive side. You know, Alex Velasic is a six foot six defenseman, um, who, who I think probably will make this roster. They're taking eight defensemen with them, uh, according to Nate Lehman. So that means that you're basically only having to cut, you know, uh, one guy from that, from the, from the group. I think they bring nine to camp. Um, so, you know, that, that makes some of the decisions a little easier, but, you know, you're just trying to figure out where, where everybody uh, fits in. And, you know, it, it's really, it's, it begins and ends, you know, Cam York is probably going to be like that first power play unit guy, you know, playing pretty good minutes and, and, and helping offensively. Jake Sanderson's probably going to be playing a lot of the tough matchups and, and getting out there and, and trying to, trying to be your, your, you know, your true two-way defenseman. And then the rest of the guys is just kind of like, you know, you got to hold down the fort as best you can. Um, uh, they have enough talent, but I mean, like it, it just kind of speaks to the group when, when, you know, when the coach is bringing in one of his own guys, Cam McDonald, who, you know, hasn't really played at a high level outside of at Providence where, where obviously there's a, you know, he's, he's, he's not much of a, uh, a scoring threat. Um, he's not a very big guy. So you're just kind of, you know, you just kind of wonder, you know, if that's, if that's where their head's at on in terms of defense, I think that they, they definitely know that there are some holes there. Um, and I think that, you know, the head coach is always going to want to try to fill that, uh, as best he can. But yeah, it's very interesting to kind of see, uh, where this group is. Chris Peters from ESPN is my guest. I'm just wondering what the, uh, the mood is like. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to the, anybody with the USA hockey about just coming to Edmonton and about the tournament going on and, uh, the prospect or the idea of it, uh, being, uh, successful in the bubble we know it worked really well with the nhl i mean it worked perfectly with the nhl uh, but things in just in alberta are a lot worse than they were back in uh, august september and we know what's happened here with team canada is there some concern at all from uh from your perspective uh with uh, the teams who have to travel to what is now the hot spot in canada well, there, there is from my perspective. I don't know necessarily if there is from, I, I think that the, the biggest concern right now, and this goes across the board for all of the countries, they're not as worried about getting into the bubble because they feel like once they're in the bubble, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. They're worried about being able to get to the bubble and, and with, without positive tests. And that's why this December 6th date becomes very important for this whole tournament, you know, the players are going to arrive. They're going to get tested. We're going to find out results. We're going to see, you know, who's able to compete in camp. Does, it, does anybody show up positive? You know, those are the types of things that are going to happen over the course of these next few weeks. It's not about, you know, once they're together, they can control their own environment. Before that, you know, they're coming from all over the country. They're coming from, you know, they, they have to get their, you know, various modes of transportation. You know, obviously numbers throughout the United States are very high. You look at, you know, some of the guys that are playing in the USHL that, you know, are in, you know, Dubuque and places like that. Um, you know, cases are high here. Um, and guys that are playing, you know, North, North Dakota, I mean, everywhere. So the good news is, you know, some of the guys that are playing in the NCHC have already gone through 
pretty rigorous te- testing protocol, guys like Jake Sanderson, and they've been able to get cleared for the NCHC bubble that's going on in Omaha right now. Mm-hmm. So we know those guys are clear. They still have to get to Michigan, and then they have to go from Michigan to get <laughs> to get to to get to Alberta. And that's so so really the concern is, and I think this is the concern for the IIHF as well is, you know, okay, we've got the U.S. kids, but then you've also got the same thing happening in Sweden, in Finland, where they're shutting things down, that in Russia, where they've, you know, had various degrees of take, taking that seriously. I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't really been, yeah. um, you know, the Czech Republic is having a 40, like almost 50 player camp, I think, you know, so like there are a lot of different things. And once you, if you're not in that bubble, by December 6th, I think, I mean, it, it sounds that way, although U.S. is saying that they might not have everybody by the 6th, um, <laughs> then, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of dealing, you're playing with fire just a little bit, and you hope that it, it works out and that everybody does, takes the proper precautions, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I obviously want the tournament to happen. It's my favorite thing of the year. I'd hate to see it not happen, but at the same time, we have to have some amount of realist, realism here about the, what we're dealing with as a society <laughs> and, and, and the fact that transmission is still very much a problem and, and could be before the players get to the bubble. Mm-hmm. But once they get there, I think we'll be okay. But they just got to get there. Well, let's hope uh, they can get here uh, safely. And then w- the only thing uh, Team USA has to worry about is getting uh, screwed out of uh, you know a, a last-second overtime or <laughs> last-second goal like half these players did with the Holinka Gretzky Cup when it was here back in 2018. Yep, yep. There's quite a few alumni from that club, and I'm sure they haven't forgotten it. Uh, before I let you go, uh, what have you thought about the college season thus far? The rollout uh, that that started. Some certainly the Big Ten is off and running for the most part. I know there's been a few games here and there for the conference that that haven't gone, but um, the NCHC is about to start up, or they did actually yesterday with the bubble. And uh, but a lot of other teams, some have packed it in for the year. Others are trying to get going. I know Hockey East is kind of delayed right now. What do you think of the way things have been handled? Um, you know, I think they've been handled about as well as they could be. I think that there's still, uh, you know, a real moral dilemma about if this is the right thing to do. And if there's, you know, I think when you look at the way that it's been handled by the Big Ten, so far so good for them. And they have play, you know, they're having teams travel, you know, like Michigan's and at, at State College, Pennsylvania tonight. Um, you know, so they've had, they've, they've managed to get that through. You know, I, I just did a story on the University of Michigan's hockey team, and, and they've been together, you know, in Ann Arbor since late summer. And through that whole time, they haven't had a single positive test, knock on wood for them. But, you know, like that's – and that's pretty impressive. You know, so some teams are certainly taking it – I think everyone is trying their best to take it as seriously as possible, but it's just – it's it's not that simple to deal with. So I think that, you know, the NCHC – this bubble thing is going to be watched by everyone in college athletics across the country because it's really the first one that's going to be taking place this long um, and with that many games. And, and, you know, that's the plan for college basketball, for their national tournament and different things like that. This is also going to be important to see, hey, maybe we have to have the entire NCAA tournament inside a bubble for hockey. You know, where is that the best route? So there's a lot of different things that are happening, I, I, you know, but it, it's just so unfortunate too. Because like you know, if you're you're looking at Harvard, Yale, Cornell, I mean, they had so many players enter the transfer transfer portal or sign pro deals early. It's going to take them years to recover from losing an entire season while other teams played. 
And so that's going to be a real thing to watch. You know, Alaska Anchorage may never come back. Um, all, all these other things. So that's the, the unfortunate part. But I think for the teams that are playing, you know, they're giving players an opportunity that they've desperately wanted. And the, the teams that are doing, you know, I think you have to take your hat off to the Big Ten and NCHC in particular just because they've had some, some real success at getting things off the ground. Uh, but overall, it's it's been uh, you know dizzying the number of games that have been postponed or canceled seasons delayed practices that are teams that aren't able to practice teams that have had to go into quarantine um and, and you just hope that at the end of this when it when everything goes back to normal that there aren't long-term effects like i mentioned with some of the teams that that may never really recover on a from a recruiting standpoint from you know competitive standpoint i mean i think like places like harvard and Cornell perennial teams that, that do very well in recruiting and, and obviously have the Ivy League draw will be okay in the long term, but you wonder how it affects other teams. And you hope that uh, we aren't contracting college hockey at a, at a point where it was really starting to grow and, and could grow even more. Yeah, well said, Chris. Uh, as always, I really appreciate your time. I, I know you won't be coming up for the World Juniors. I won't be going to the World Juniors and they're in my backyard. So I'll be watching it on TV <laughs> like everybody else. But uh, thank you very much for your time, and we'll chat again soon. Stay safe. All right. Thanks a lot, Keith. Have a good one, bud. Chris Peters from ESPN doing what Chris Peters from ESPN always does, and that's knock it out of the park when he's on the Pipeline show. Let me know what you think of the way Team USA looks. You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Who do you think is going to lead the team in scoring this year? Mentioned in the opening segment today that somebody had tweeted out they expect Cole Caulfield to be the uh, top scorer, not just for Team USA, but in the tournament. I think that is lofty expectations for Caulfield. Trevor Zegris is my guy for Team USA, like he was last year. Uh, but I think Turcotte could have a much better tournament. I think he only had a couple of points last year. Keep in mind, it wasn't a good tournament for USA last season as uh, they only played the five games, missed the podium. And I, I've lost count how many times I've talked about it on this show that the World Junior, to me, is a five-team tournament. There are five countries who have a legit shot almost every year of winning gold. Those teams would be Canada, Finland, Russia, Sweden, and the United States, alphabetical order. And unfortunately, two of those countries are going to go home without a medal. They're gold medal contenders, but they go home empty-handed. Last year, that was the United States. But they had the talent, and a lot of that talent is coming back this year. So uh, they missed the podium last season, but they're good enough to win gold. And then you have five other countries who can often throw a, a monkey wrench into the works. I don't know that it's realistic to expect you know, Austria is going to uh, do that or Germany or the Czechs or Slovakia. You know, they could pull off uh, an upset in a game and uh, kind of mess things up for somebody else. But it's those five big countries who everybody expects to be on the podium. But again, two of them go home empty handed. Let me know what you think of Team USA. We'll end this week's episode with a conversation with the general manager out of the Ontario Hockey League. Lots to talk about as the OHL has targeted February 4th as a uh, start date. A couple of months away from that now. I wonder what it's like to be a general manager in the league as you uh, attempt to uh, get everything in order so you can start the season on time. And how likely you think that is actually going to be that it comes to fruition. Let's check. Mike Oak from the Peterborough Peets. He'll wrap up this week's episode next here on the Pipeline Show. 
Hey, it's Zach Glant from the Peterborough Pete. There's a shot. Yes. Taylor, Galant. That's a big goal as he goes upstairs and he's on a roll. Zach Galant. And that cuts the lead to 2-1 right off the faceoff. His seventh. And this is the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. We are back on the Pipeline Show. Final segment this week, we're going to head out to the Ontario Hockey League. Target date, February 4th, is when the OHL has announced uh, that they're going to try to get their season going. I know camps will open up a couple of weeks before that, after the World Juniors. and Fingers crossed that tournament goes off uh, uh, successfully as well. But uh, to get a sense on what it's like for a team right now in the OHL, let's... Uh, chat with a, uh, a GM who has been on the Pipeline Show a number of times in the past. We're uh, pleased to be joined once again by Mike Oak, the uh, guy behind the uh, the curtain with the Peterborough Peets. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to be back with you, and uh, I hope you and your family and all your listeners are uh, enjoying good health. Yes, and uh, the same for you, and I, I know, I well, we were just chatting about it before, but uh, I'm in the hot spot now for COVID in Canada is uh, in Alberta, and we've seen uh, what kind of havoc it's wreaking with the junior hockey here, as the Alberta Junior Hockey League was started and lasted about 10 days, two weeks, and that's been shut down now. Uh, and closer to home for you, the OHL, well, it never really got off the ground yet, and uh, February 4th is the target date. What What's the feeling like right now uh, for you and for the rest of the league and just in terms of uh, expectations or can you really get your hopes up too high with how often we've seen things change? Well, I, I certainly we have had a lot of changes in, uh, in right across at all levels, uh, across Canada, across North America, and, and quite frankly, across the globe. There's certainly some challenges to, to operating a team and operating a league. And, uh, you know, the indication that we've been given is that uh, we'll have training camp start in late January and then uh, start a schedule. 40 game schedule uh, beginning February 4th. So that's what we're planning towards. And, and if things change, we'll adjust, but uh, Mm -hmm. as it is now, that's uh, what we're uh, setting our sights on and, and are planning accordingly. And really that's all you can do is you have to target the date and assume and plan as if that's all going to happen. How close are you keeping an eye on what happens in other leagues? Let's say the the Quebec major junior hockey league, where we know it started half the league couldn't play and the other half was, doing pretty well or the other third the Atlantic teams were doing pretty well now everybody's shut down yeah you know what uh, the hockey community is very small I mean we have uh, contacts uh, again literally all over the globe so you know we've been staying in touch with uh, with those contacts Uh, some leagues and teams have been in operation some have halted uh, some have halted and then restarted and 
And I guess the benefit that we have right now is, is we're going to be able to utilize some of the experiences, uh, both from the positives and the negatives of teams that have uh, already had some play and, and had to pause and, and how they've been able to manage the, the COVID situation from a, from a team and a league standpoint. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to take that knowledge and, and benefit from it. Uh, everybody wants to get back to the rink. Everybody wants to get back to what our normal routines are. Uh, but we also know that we have to keep in mind, uh, you know, not only the health and safety of our players, but also staff and in our communities in, in general. So it's it's a challenge for everybody. And uh, so collectively, we'll have to work together to, to meet that challenge. One of the, the aspects that fans probably don't think about is uh, just the situation for the players where they live with billets and things like that. How do you as an organization handle that? You know, we've had great uh, support from the billet group uh, dating back to when the players left uh, uh, last season uh, in March when the season was paused and then eventually postponed. We've uh, had communication with the billets, uh, keeping them apprised of of new developments and and what the expectations are going to be. Certainly, we'll have a return to play protocol in place for our team and, and for all teams within the OHL. Uh, nothing has been completely finalized, but we have regular contact just saying, you know, here's, uh, here's what we do know here. Uh, here are some of the things that we're going to have to consider. We've had great support. Uh, the overall, the billet group has indicated that they're uh, excited and happy to welcome the players back into their homes, knowing that it's going to be a bit of an adjustment from previous seasons. Uh, but, you know, everybody uh, in society is going to have to adjust, and, and certainly the Ontario Hockey League and all leagues uh, are no different. Mike, one thing that is different for the OHL and the WHL uh, compared to the Q, you have American teams. There's five of them in the WHL. Uh, do you know what the situation is there for those three teams? Because uh, the border, who knows when the border is going to reopen. So just movement across the border for teams to play. I know in the WHL, the plan is that those five teams are basically their own division. They're all just going to play against each other within the divisions for whatever the season is going to look like. But what's the plan in the OHL? Well, I think it's something that's still being reviewed. Obviously, with the borders being closed, it is a challenge. Uh, in Ontario, we have three teams, one being in Erie and then two uh, uh, located in uh, Michigan and Flint and Saginaw. So we don't have the same number of teams as, as say, the WHL has. And that's a challenge. Each of the each of the three major junior leagues have their own set of unique circumstances with regards to geography and and the makeup of their divisions and their conferences. And, and certainly in the Quebec League, uh, you know, they developed a three division model uh, when they started up and, and have now uh, paused until after Christmas. And and uh, and as you mentioned, with the Western Hockey League, they've got some unique challenges themselves having. Uh, the teams in the United States and then teams uh, located across Western Canada and here in Ontario, us with, uh, you know, some, some real uh, uh, issues related to having the three teams in the U S and then having teams in Canada, but the distance between teams uh, is significant even within the division. So I think those are all things that the uh, uh, league officials and the board of governors are working through to, to come up with a final plan along with the public health agencies and the provincial government to make sure that when we do have a, 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 a finalized plan that it's uh, going to be one that we can execute uh, and execute safely to make sure that everybody uh, maintains uh, you know the, the good health.
I know some people would say, can you just move the three U.S. teams into uh, Ontario for this season, you know, if it's three or four months, whatever it is, but there's got to be some logistical challenges with that because these are all, there's also a lot of students there, and when it comes to education, I don't know how easy it is to move all that around. Has anything even been considered like that about relocating those three teams just temporarily? I think there's been a lot of speculation, but certainly I don't think there's been any uh, firm commitment on uh, what exactly may happen as it relates to that situation. You know, there is a lot of uh, things that have to go into the planning, not only school, and you mentioned school, and and that challenge can be met, uh, you know, maybe with online and virtual classes and whatnot, but you also have to take into consideration the building issue. Uh, players, uh, you know, if, if you relocated, you'd, you'd be going into community where maybe you didn't have, uh, you know, a strong billet base or, or have the opportunity to, to have billets. Um, so there's a lot of different challenges uh, that, you know, not only the OHL and the WHL and the Quebec League are facing, leagues literally around the world are facing. And, uh, and so, you know, the league officials, I know they're, they're going to uh, think outside the box. And I, I really think that there's no, uh, idea that will be dismissed without giving it careful consideration if it's something that makes sense and something that's going to work and allow us to return and return safely then it's going to give them serious consideration is there are there going to be some challenges to get your full roster in regards to your import players and if you have any americans uh, on your roster i know you have in the past but i'm not sure what your situation is like right now but uh with travel restrictions could that be an issue well, certainly it is to this point. I know that the league is working with the government officials to uh, uh, identify uh, what opportunities there would be and what the requirements would be for players to uh, come in from outside of uh, of Canada. We've got a, a process and we've got a plan in place to make sure that uh, players that are in that position would come in and they'd be quarantined in a safe environment uh, once given the green light to, to proceed. We've got a couple of players over in Europe, uh, obviously, with uh, uh, European passports that are eager to come uh, and uh, are, are excited about the opportunity of, to play in the Ontario Hockey League and play for the Peterborough Peets. So uh, we've got plans in place, uh, and as well for the American players, we've got some plans in place uh, for those players to make sure that uh, any of the quarantine requirements would be met. Uh, but at the end of the day, we also need to go ahead from from the different government agencies to, to give the green light to allow those players to travel into Canada. And that's something that the league is working on and, and working with the government officials uh, as we speak. Mike Oak is my guest. He's the GM of the Peterborough Peets in the OHL. Uh, what's the latest in regard to uh, fans in attendance? Will you be able to sell a certain amount of tickets or is it completely without fans this year? Or do we know yet? Yeah, we don't know yet. It's something, again, the league is, is working with uh, the provincial government. And I know that, uh, you know, here in Ontario, each of the various uh, uh, public health departments uh, and health agencies also have, uh, you know, their specific protocols. So it's it's something where we're, we're here in Peterborough, uh, you know, reviewing all the different potential scenarios. Ideally, we'd like to have fans into the rinks, uh, you know, across the league. Uh, but at the same time, we also know we have to make sure that uh, player safety is first and foremost. The safety of our staff is, is uh, you know, not going to be threatened. And, and quite frankly, the safety of our fans. We want to make sure that uh, if we're in a position to have fans come into the rink, that we can do so in a safe environment. And, 
And so there's a lot of different considerations and uh, things that need to be uh, taken into consideration before anything's finalized. I know, Mike, uh, there were some headlines uh, made uh, around the OHL, not by the league necessarily, but uh, the government official who said there, if the league wants to come back, there won't be any hitting. And I know there's been a bit of a, a tug of war for uh, that opinion within the provincial government there in Ontario with the, with the premier as well. Uh, what's your stance on that whole idea about uh, if the OHL is going to come back, there can't be body contact? Yeah, I know that that's been commented, uh, or the comments were made that that was going to be a potential requirement. And again, I know that the league is working uh, very closely with the government officials to make sure that when we do return, uh, that we do so in, in a safe uh, environment. I'm not sure. I don't think that that has been uh, is something that is is going to be mandated at this point uh is it something that's maybe come up and discussed and and uh you know is there any legitimacy to the fact that uh, contact uh in a hockey environment uh could lead to further spread of of COVID-19 um you know that's something for the medical experts to to discuss and debate and review um at the end of the day there's going to be a lot of different protocols that are going to change uh with our day-to-day operations from you know, interactions at practice, uh, you know, interactions with our uh, training staff and our medical staff, interactions on the bus uh, and in uh, in travel situations in restaurants. So, uh, you know, certainly the, it made headlines, uh, you know, the no body contact. I know right now, certainly in some of the minor uh, hockey leagues that are operating uh, in a modified environment, uh, you know, they're going without uh, body contact right now. Um, they're maybe a little bit further along uh, uh, with where we are right now and uh, and having some modified four-on-four or three-on-three uh, scrimmages. And uh, as part of their uh, return to play, uh, they've eliminated body contact to this point. When they get back to the five-on-five, I think there's uh, still uh, some finalized uh, decisions to be made. Last time we saw the Peterborough Peets on the ice, uh, your team was second in the Eastern uh, Conference uh, and looking like a, a, a pretty good bet to get two, three, even maybe more uh, rounds deep into the playoffs. How much has your roster changed from what we last saw? Because uh, when I looked, I think I counted 11 19-year-olds. That that was a team built to win. Uh, how many you can't? I mean, you can't have all that those players back. So how different are the Peets going to look? Yeah, you're right. It, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was a real disappointing uh, uh, turn of events for our hockey club and the players and our coaches and our fans and everybody involved uh, with the Pete's and Peterborough. We were really excited about the the season uh, that we were having. Uh, we had a bit of a downturn uh, in, in the month of January with uh, with some sickness uh, that resulted in a, in a bit of a losing skid, but we rebounded quite nicely and and we're really just rounding into to, uh, form uh, when we were paused. And I know that there was a great deal of disappointment the night that uh, uh, we had the meeting. We were scheduled to play Sudbury, and, and the season uh, had been paused, and we expected to maybe be off for two, uh, maybe three weeks, and then uh, back at it. And, and we fully anticipated to uh, be a team that uh, would compete and, and win the OHL championship and then to have the season canceled and have so many players graduate, uh, you know, disappointing for them. I know all of the work that they'd put into last season and I know all the work that our coaching staff had put into the season. There was a, a real sense of disappointment. 
we now are in a position where we're going to have a younger squad uh, heading into the upcoming year and and that's going to uh, provide them with an opportunity to make their own mark and and so we're equally excited about what uh, the future holds here in Peterborough we've got some great young talent that uh, was able to gain some great experience uh, alongside some veteran players last year and I know that uh, as we move forward we fully anticipate that uh, it won't be long before we're competing uh, for an OHL championship here real soon and and uh, excited to to show exactly uh, where we are with all of our young uh, crop of players. Some of the guys that, that could be back though that would be you know a guy like Nick Robertson do you know what is what his status is right now? Well, he's the one, uh, you know, you talk about a player that, uh, you know, would make a huge difference to our roster and our lineup is Nick Robertson. And uh, we were really excited. Nick, uh, uh, you know, unfortunate for, for the OHL and for the Peterborough Peets that our season was paused. Uh, Nick uh, turned that into a, a positive for him. And, you know, he had some downtime to, to work out and, and continue to round out his game. And he had the opportunity to be invited to the, the Maple Leafs, uh, you know, pre-bubble camp and, yeah. and made a mark and, and uh, was impressive and and ended up earning a, a position on the, on that roster and got into to four playoff games. And uh, that's a real credit to the hard work that Nick put in uh, between the end of our season and, and when they uh, resumed at the NHL level. Certainly, we'd love to have Nick back, but I also know now his, uh, his sights are, are fully set on being a full-time member of the Toronto Maple Leafs when the NHL season resumes. And so we'll, uh, we'll work closely with the Maple Leafs between now and when the decisions are made. And, and if Nick is, uh, uh, makes the jump to the NHL, we'll certainly follow him very closely and be cheering him on for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if he's uh, returned to junior, then we'd certainly be excited to have him and, and he'd be a, a great addition to our organization. All right, and I know a lot of people would say uh, I, I certainly have an answer to this question, and I, and I but I want to get it from your perspective. Why play? I mean, there's so much going on in the world right now that maybe the the socially conscious thing to do uh, would be maybe the moral thing to do is not play. But I understand. I from my perspective, I mean, this means the world to a lot of these kids at this age group, and. It's an important draft year for some players, and you've got another one this year in Mason McTavish, uh, who is draft eligible, right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, you know, reasons why I think it's important to play. Uh, the development of these young people is uh, is important. Uh, you mentioned Mason McTavish, uh, someone that uh, is considered one of the top prospects for the 2021 NHL draft, and we've got some other great young players too, and J.R. Avon and and Tucker Robertson and Artem Guriev, uh, you know, all. Uh, uh, prospects for the upcoming NHL draft. But I also think, you know, it's important for, uh, you know, these young men that have put so much time and effort over the years uh, uh, to develop their skills uh, in, in hockey, but also to develop their skills in life and, and to continue on. And, and really, in a lot of communities, especially at the major junior level, uh, also at the junior A level, I mean, we're the beacons of, of hope uh, for a lot of communities and uh, the sense of pride uh, that communities rally around their teams is uh, is enormous. And I know that uh, by us uh, returning to, to some regular season action and uh, getting back to some sense of normalcy, and the same goes for a lot of different uh, athletic endeavors, but hockey in particular, I think it would uh, really, it would really signal uh, a, a real, you know, return to normalcy, and I think uh, 
it would be an exciting moment for for people to know that hey we're we're just around the corner from getting back to where we once were Mike, well said. Uh, I really, really appreciate uh, your time. Good to catch up. Uh, I wish you uh, an, a, uh, an excellent and uh, healthy Christmas, and uh, let's look forward to a much better 2021. Yeah, same to you. Uh, it's always great to, to join your show. You do a tremendous job of covering junior hockey and, uh, you know, around uh, not only uh, Canada and the United States, but globally. And uh, and it's, uh, it's my pleasure. And, and again, I hope uh, you and all your listeners remain uh, in good health. And uh, let's hope that we uh, can together beat this uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Mike Oak of the Peterborough Peets, the general manager there, and I really appreciate his time and his candor and uh, being willing to uh, not just take the interview but take the questions. And uh, I'm interested to hear what you thought of what he had to say. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. You can always email me as well. Gee at thepipelineshow.com is how you would do that, although it's probably easier to just get me on Twitter. Or patrons at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Of course, all of you have... Uh, easy access to me uh, there. You can send me messages at any point. And speaking of which, if you haven't considered yet being a pa- becoming a patron, uh, why don't you check it out? Again, patreon.com slash the pipeline show. A couple of bucks a month and you can uh, have access to all of the interviews about an hour after they're done. And you don't have to wait for the full episodes to come out. So why don't you give that a, uh, a look-see and see if it works for you. Also, wherever you get your podcast uh, copy of The Pipeline Show from, please leave a rating, leave a comment so that other people who have never heard the show before, they might stumble across it. Maybe they're hockey fans and they just see The Pipeline Show. What the hell is that? Your comment might encourage them to try the show out, and that might lead them to listening as a uh, becoming a regular listener, which would be fantastic. So if you would take a second, doesn't take long, just leave a comment or a rating or both, and I would uh, greatly appreciate it. That does it for this week's episode. Next week on the show, I do have one confirmed guest so far. That would be Uffe Bodin, who will uh, help us uh, break down Team Sweden as their camp roster has been announced. So we'll do that conversation. I'm, I'm scheduled to have that on Monday. Show will come out about Thursday. Uh, so, again, uh, early access for patrons. They'll get to hear that interview three days before the general public. Now, the reason it might be a fit for you. Uh, outside of Uffe, uh, maybe more World Junior talk. Uh, Maybe we'll start getting players on uh, for 2021 draft spotlights. Talk some college hockey potentially as uh, there are games going on. Lots more and more every week, it seems like. So lots we can talk about. Uh, But until next week, keep in mind the uh, global pandemic is still going on. There's been lots of talk lately about vaccines, which is fantastic. Maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. But that end of the tunnel might still be six months away. And we've got a long way to go until then, including Christmas and New Year's. And I'm really concerned that uh, people won't take the necessary precautions. So please, 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 if you don't have to travel, don't. If you have the luxury of working from home, please do. Obviously, wear your mask. They make a difference. Wash your hands. Stay uh, six feet away from people. If you're going to be meeting up with people, meet outside and keep your distance. I pick up groceries for my neighbors on either side of my house because they're they're both uh, elderly. Uh, I call the grocery store. I book, a, book it online ahead of time. So I pull up, pop open the trunk, and uh, they carry it out and put it in. Uh, it's safe, and I feel good about doing a, a favor for my neighbors. And I hope if you have the potential to do the same, I hope you would take an opportunity to do that. There's a lot of negativity in the world. 
nothing wrong with being a, a, a force for positivity when you can. Off my soapbox, the Pipeline Show returns next week. I will talk to you then. Until then, I'm Guy Flaming. See ya. <laughs>